Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Let's go. Sunday School starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Matt Donnelly, Penn and I, we're broadcasting from Show Creator Studios south in Las Vegas. And today we're going to talk about all the Las Vegas locals that we missed in the first show. Donnie and Marie, Pip the Magic Dragon, David Tell, and Jeffrey Ross. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah, preaching love. You know, um, uh, Remember, Godot, how we used to really live in Vegas? Yeah. Like, every night after our show, we'd go out and hang did out. stuff, yeah. We'd go out and hang out, did oh, stuff. Yeah. Hung out with show folk, you know? And then we had families. The kids. Got older and things got different. This week, I was going out and doing stuff. And family on, out of town? Nope. Uh, I just do what I... Decided to abandon them? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> on Friday... My family's out of town. He's talking about going out and doing stuff tonight. On Friday night, uh, uh, Matt... Yeah. Piff, Jade, Emily, uh, Czar, Tony, we all went out to see uh, Donnie and Marie. Now, Donnie and Marie have been playing here for 11 years. Yeah, yeah. Now, I told you the other day I ran into Donnie. Yes. At the heart a doctor. Right. And we had a wonderful conversation. Yeah, if you and, consider crushing your dreams for a, a wonderful conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is inside your backwards, they're not. Yeah. But I really, really like... Donnie. Mm. Yeah. And there's a weird thing about it's it's something what I feel with with Glenn Beck too. You know, Bob Dylan said to live outside the law, you must be honest. Yeah. And I feel a real affinity with um Mormons because they don't drink, they don't smoke, uh, they're outside of the world. And I feel there's a lot in common with atheists. Yeah. You know, they're also considered marginalized. I bet the numbers are similar. I mean, I'm sure there are more atheists and Mormons, but the numbers are probably similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, also Mormons have, and this is something I, I share with uh, with Trey and Matt, uh, Book of Mormons, um, part of what they do, part of their culture is a kind of sweetness and uh, and gentleness that they try for. And the wholesomeness, you know? So um, I like seeing shows have been running a really long time. Not shows have been running a really long time, but headliners that have been around yeah. a lot. Because well, shows doesn't matter. They're just putting in new people all the time. Right. Like the Cirque shows, they don't, yeah. they, don't, they don't get better. doesn't get any better when they yeah. put new folks in. You know, you guys are two acts that carry the ampersand. You jokingly get compared to a lot as as as, as being different from each other. And yeah. you both have been hunkered down here in Vegas for a long, long time. And we also have uh, sides of buildings that look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. You. So fake Donnie can see fake you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fake Donnie and fake Ben are looking at each other. Fake giant Donnie. And fake Marie was uh, on Fool Us. 
mm-hmm. and part of the funniest bust I think you've done on the show, mm-hmm. which was uh, she was 3D printed and an illusion, and you went through the whole routine. You're like, but I don't think you 3D printed Marie Osmond. <laughs> was your bust of that trick? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was a fine bust. And uh, uh, we've been on the Donnie Marie show. Yeah. Uh, we produced maggots on the Donnie Marie show. We uh, did a really disgusting mm-hmm. trick for them. Yeah. And I have always, when I was younger, I said things specifically to be rude to Donnie Marie. I made incest jokes. I made uh, jokes about their religion that yeah. were very disrespectful. And they maintained a kind of gentleness and sweetness that I really liked. And uh, they dealt with me the way they should dealt dealt with me, which is kind of with a with an eye roll and ever so slight mm-hmm. condescension. Yeah, the proper way. Like, yeah, it's just like they never <laughs> saw me as dangerous. They saw me as just a goofball fucking around. Yeah, um, and I like them. Also, I like them because um, my family was not Mormon, but that wholesome. Right. You know, my mom and dad yeah. never never said hell or damn. You know, they didn't drink. You know, they didn't smoke. They were wholesome. Mm-hmm. Didn't smoke cigarettes. My dad have a cigar now and again. My sister was as wholesome as any Mormon. And so there's a real, real affinity. You know, they're not hanging out in bars. You know, they're not ordering wine with yeah. dinner. And there is a uh, there is a connection that's there. So I hadn't seen them in 11 years. Also, when I see Donnie Marie and any of the red carpet stuff, I'm always really happy to see them. Right. I mean, I'm uh, uh, I'm sure that Donnie and Marie greet and hug everybody with a, <laughs> with a huge amount of sweetness. Yeah. But from my side, it's sincere. Every time I've seen Donnie, and many times I've been surprised to see him, I have just been full of joy. Hey, it's Donnie Osmond. Yeah. You know, hey, it's Marie. Great. Good to see you. I also like the fact that uh, as different as we are, we have the same job. Yeah, And I love Donnie telling the story of, you know, saying something on TV that people turned on him and going, people hating me? That's what you do. I don't do that. (laughs) People don't hate Donnie Osmond. They hate you. (laughs) And uh, I like that that's our relationship. Yeah. So we went to see the show. And uh, there's so many emotions in seeing the show. Yes. Because there's this thing that happens that I've never seen anybody talk about really in detail. But if you're writing a play or you're writing a movie or you're writing a TV show, you can have a writer's room and a lot of crazy ideas can come up. Yeah. Right. But you can, and you can stumble into things, making everybody laugh in the room. Yeah. But when you are a headliner, uh, David Copperfield, Piff, Mac King, Donnie and Marie. Yeah. Tom Jones, you're on stage and you have a relationship with the audience in that room with who you are. Yes. You know, and Lauren Michaels talked about this a lot. He talked about how the exact same line delivered on the exact same show by a different person gets an entirely different reaction. Mm, yeah. And he would compare me and Sam Kinison. Yeah. He'd say two guys yelling. And he said, and yet Sam can get busted for things you'd never get busted for, saying the same lines. And you can get busted for stuff Sam would never get busted for. He said, it's not the words. It's not even the tone. It's who and who they think you are. So this is a show where they have moments in it. uh, You know what I'm talking about here, Matt, that nobody would write. 
No. Nobody would write that they stumbled upon some night three years ago. Right. And it got a certain reaction that I believe nobody, including Shakespeare, could predict that reaction. Yeah. It got that reaction. They stumbled on it. Now it's in there. So you're seeing something. And I've often complained about the audience writing art. You know, Sam Kennison is an example I use. Uh, he did really complex stuff. And then critics and regular people said, he just uh, screams and talks about how he hates women. Yeah. So then for a year, he screams about how he hated women. That happened to Springsteen. Yeah. Springsteen, when I was seeing him in 73, 74, was this really complex stuff. Then they said he does songs about girls and cars in America. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. America. He did two albums of Girls and Cars in America. Yeah. And you went, oh, there's more. And then there was all, all he came out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, I'm saying that is a bad thing, but there's a good thing in people who do the same stuff on stage. It has to be as themselves. It can't be in character. Mm -hmm. And they have to have leeway in what they say. It can't be a tight script. Yeah. Where you end up them saying sentences that get laughs that you have no idea why. Yeah. Or stuff that gets a reaction, you have no idea why, you know, and the way people move. And I saw it in Donnie and Marie and some of the stuff I really didn't like. Some of the stuff where they go, I was talking to Olivia Newton-John today. Yeah. And I know she was talking to Olivia Newton-John one day. Yeah. But it wasn't today. Yeah. And that, that bothered me. Yeah. And I also didn't like when they went, hey, you know, I could hear you backstage. When you know they weren't listening to each other backstage. Right. They just know what he says, you know. And they the come show, out and do yeah, that. Yeah. And I realized how much I do that in the show. But I do it, uh, I have to in some cases to accomplish tricks. Right. I have to act like things are happening for the first time or to accomplish right. tricks. Yeah. And you want to, it's this very complex thing. Because you want to do every line of your show as though it's just happening that night and it's special. Yeah. But I also think you don't want to give information that breaks that by saying something that isn't true. Yeah. So you want to do both those things at once. And showmanship is that complicated. Like you always make that story about your friend getting mad about James Brown's cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just showmanship. That's entertainment. Yeah. You're giving the audience that best moment. He was joking about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah There's yeah, a yeah. real issue with it, like for uh, for a juggling show or for a magic show, because we do know the outcome and the audience knows it at some level that you're being insincere that, oh my God, this might fly out and hit you in the face. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a weird issue. Yeah, the false It's danger. really, it, it's, and it's, I think it's great in a live show, but it's terrible on TV. Yeah. Because in TV, well, first off, we're not going to get hit. We're watching on TV. And second off, we know that you do this every day. And TV somehow accentuates that to me. Yeah. But in a live show, when you're in the room with somebody, yeah. there's stuff that Donnie was saying. You're in more, the room uh, with a madman, part yeah, of it is. More Donnie than Marie. Yeah. The stuff that Donnie <laughs> says that you just kind of go, where he said stuff and take it back. And one that kind of misfired. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, one that kind of misfired that he was used to doing that um, I think he'd become slightly tone deaf to. 
Yeah. It seemed so surprisingly out of character for him. There's one thing where he says he's giving away a CD as a little contest. Uh-huh. People are very excited. And then he says, I'm going to give you this CD and I'll meet you afterwards and I'll sign an autograph and I'll take you to dinner. Right. And then he turns around and goes, I'm not going to really take you to dinner. And it's very much not what you want out of Donny Osmond. Right. Now. Yeah, exactly. But he gets away with it because he's so lovable. Yeah. And that was probably like, we're probably bringing up the most awkward moment to the show to the audience. Yeah. I think one of the, the uh, two things to make really clear is that like one, uh, we could have gone to that show and seen a tired act and we did not see a tired act. We saw people really. Yes. And that's the weird thing. Yeah. When you see someone who has done the same show or predominantly the same show yeah. uh, hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And there is not a trace of cynicism yeah. at all. And that's part of what I tie in incorrectly with the Mormonism. Yeah. I want to give credit to the Osmonds because it's actually them. It's their yeah. sweet, this and their purity. I don't want to give credit to a team. There are other entertainers in Vegas and we know them by name. And we yeah. won't say it here who do the same show. I really want to. You sure we won't say it? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> who, uh, uh, are absolutely um, cynical about it. Yeah, they're over. They're, just, they're over. Right. Uh, and uh, toward the end of Lance Burton, when there, in the show, there were times would, when he was he would actually not say that on stage. It, right, he would say on stage, "I'm so sick of doing this." I saw him when he was saying that on stage, mm. which is a very <laughs> complex thing to do. Right, you, know, um, you can get away with it, I suppose, but it's got to be. It's much. It plays much better with the Sex Pistols. You know, yeah, yeah, when you're yeah. 19 years old and full of energy, I'll fucking hide this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've seen Siegfried stand on stage looking at the lights and saying, what a great crowd we have here. Yeah. You know, and looking at the lights, not even looking at the audience, like yeah. something's wrong. <laughs> um, so no, I just want to be clear. Every instant of Donnie and Marie uh, was uh, the joy of being on stage was yeah. completely sincere. Yeah. Yeah, and even the material is something they knock on every night. For, I think they were very present and connected to their audience. Mm-hmm. Also, like, and they also, you know, and you always laugh at this. Yeah, but it means something. They're working hard. They're they running are, around. They a lot. do work their fucking asses off in that show. Mm-hmm. They're not only working hard. They, we all have a history with Donnie and Marie, that is. Uh, really long and really magical. And you saw them when you were kids on TV and they were kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? For us. And and that means something in the show. Yeah, it, Don- it's, it has an emotional attachment you don't expect. You know what I mean? When I met Don Knotts the first time, I ran and hugged him. I didn't plan on it. It was just <laughs> there was something inside of me that I didn't realize even existed. And it's more, um, uh, that's more the age of my, my wife. Oh, okay. That yeah. it is me. Because Donnie is uh, two year, three years younger than me. He's I think the same as me. Yeah. yeah. So when he was a uh, teeny bopper, I was not at the age to like a teeny bopper. Right. right I was right. not a fan of Bobby Sherman. Right. You know, right. I mean, that's not, mm-hmm. uh, Tiger Beat was not my thing. I'd grown out of the monkeys by that, yeah. you know. No, and I was thinking like, there's a reason why you and I have not seen them for 11 years. You know, and like, and then what you're just describing is that. And for me, same thing, what he just described. Also, I recognized, I believe, none of the songs. Right. And me, that was the same for me as well. Yeah, not one of them. I, I, uh, I, I, and they're all huge hits. Exactly. I missed all of the, Glenn would turn to me and be like, this is a, this was a huge hit. And uh, Joseph, like, oh, okay. Joseph, the amazing technical, yeah. that's just trash to me. And so you know, that's uh, just, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was Jesus Christ Superstar was a joke. Yeah. And then 
with some good rock and roll. Yeah. And then Joseph was written before it and bombed yeah. and then came out after. And it's just religious. Right. Religious yes, silly pageantry. Like talking to Piff about it, I was like, I basically, by, by bringing down what we just said, like I basically was brought into this as a almost tourist of a culture than I was to actually yeah. see a show. But also Piff being English had no idea, right? None. None. Nothing. We were a table of people. Like you might as well have brought me to like a slam poetry yeah. exhibit. Like I would have been like, oh, is this how this goes the whole time? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so ready, jump in with this. What do you got to say? You know, I'm right in the pocket for the first album my sister and I shared was a Donnie Marie album. Wait a minute. Let's do a break for a commercial. Come back with what Reddy Rich has to say. Okay, Reddy, lay it on us. My sister and I, the first album that I could remember we shared was Donnie Marie Deep Purple. Mm -hmm. So I knew all those songs. Oh, wow. But I went to a different show a couple years mm -hmm. prior. The table that I was sitting with, everybody was 20 years older than me or more. Yeah. So it wasn't even your generation. It was the next generation. And they were all looking for Andy Williams in right. Las Vegas. And that's what they were getting out of the show. I don't think they knew any of the songs either. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. Well, they were also doing I Want to Fight for My Right to Party. Yeah. And tonight's going to be a good night uh, yeah. and walk, uh, walk, walk this, this way. way. And yeah, yeah, they start out the show with that medley that every DJ makes for the cheerleader squad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought was so bizarre. And then also, like, we had a conversation over text just trying to figure out, like, what goes into. When you have that open of a license, these are people that have been famous since they were children. Yeah. And all they've done is try to keep up with the times and evolve with the times and find their lane to just keep entertaining the fuck out of people. That's right. all they do their whole lives. And pop music, we try to be separated into teams. Yeah. But that show teaches you more than anything that there is no difference between the Beastie Boys and Donnie Murray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want very much to say, oh, the Beastie Boys were hip and cool right. and Donnie Murray are square, but there's no difference. Yeah. They're on the top 10. All the same people know the same songs, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And although Marie did not do, your mom throws away your best porno rags. No. And that hypocrite smokes three packs a day. That wasn't sick. They took out the smoking and the porno mags. Yeah. They, they porno, did. Yeah. They did take those out. <laughs> I, that's the thing is that like, okay, so like that's what I'm, like I'm trying to set this up because also like there's 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 the uh, to take like none of I don't want to sound critical of their show because they were never in my wheelhouse me personally from a taste and art perspective I was uncomfortable several times throughout the show sure. and I really was like what am I watching There's this technique that faith healers and mentalists use called shotgunning Yeah it's where specific information is tossed out to a broad audience then anyone in the audience who self-identifies with it can step forward and that gives a performer credit for knowing. Yep. I feel like a lot of what Donnie Marie had done was to throw a little of everything they thought might matter to the wall and let the audience worry about seeing what sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So were you emotionally attached to the show, Randy? I wasn't emotionally attached to the show, but it made me think about my family mm -hmm. way more than I thought mm -hmm. I would when I walked in the door. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, so this, this is a nostalgic hook that you weren't expecting. I wouldn't even call it nostalgia, but the, the emotional connection to my sister that I hadn't thought about in probably decades. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, as like uh, to observe the experience, it was like interesting to see their fans, right? Like they're the people that love them. 
like that that like hearing all the music we just laid out that i was like how the hell do they choose what they have license and don't have license to sing yeah on stage it seems you know i jokingly said to glenn during the show i was like who's their composer spotify like i was like <laughs> just will sing anything you know <laughs> and medleys of things that just overlap one word yeah yeah and but 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 their fans it really is like I basically was trying to again because because the, the conversation you're having with Piff like about like their their fans like it is what Donnie Marie like that's important to their fans. So if Donnie Marie liked that song, that has all the value in the world to their fans, yeah. you know. And it is like 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 it is to see Penn and Teller be like other magicians do this trick, but this is the way Penn and Teller do this trick. Yeah, yeah. Is like that was my only way to be like oh now I get why their fans were loving every song. By them, because you're like, okay, what's Donnie Marie's take on all of them? And they also are skilled. Oh yeah, the band band kicks ass. Well, the band uh, ready, you would know this better. It's 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 a rather large band. Well, he's got four horns, and um, they're still using. uh, They were still reinforcing with recording. A lot of tracks, yeah. Yeah, but on top of a rather large band, Mm -hmm. it's a very very fat, very fat sound. Yeah, you really have trouble picking out. And then Marie comes out with her guitar, and what I really loved, <laughs> and I would do this joke in our show, except I don't think anybody would get it. She plays one chord of the guitar, and then she throws guitar picks out to people. A lot of them. A lot of guitar picks. She plays four chords. Uh, I mean, I don't mean four different chords. <laughs> she plays a chord four times, and throws five guitar picks every chord she plays. Yeah. So I thought about carrying an oboe out on stage and throwing double reeds. Out, <laughs> going, wow, these are a lot more expensive than picks. Enjoy that double reed. It's a double reed. you got to carve it yourself. It's a double reed. It's an oboe reed. That's what I mean. Like At one point, Marie, from, from a child to the woman she is now, saw that and was like, that is a badass rock and roll move right there. Yeah, throwing out guitar picks. I'll do- By the I'm way. I'm doing that. W- the one time I play guitar on the show, yeah. I throw my guitar pick out after. Because <laughs> you want to, right? Like, <laughs> that's, it's like, as, a, as an entertainer, it's a guilty pleasure to do these things. Oh, is this what I a rock I saw this. This is what it, entertainment is. And then you do it, and you're like, oh, yeah. that does feel badass, right? <laughs> Someone does and cry you have, the pick. And you get have it. to decide yeah. when you're a drummer what your exact audience is before you throw the sticks out. Yeah, because yeah, they get sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can throw your sticks. Heavy yeah. metal, punk. Yeah, they can throw their sticks. Yeah. Uh, end of list, maybe. Yeah, maybe that is the end of the list. <laughs> you don't want. You don't want. You don't want a waltz waltz orchestra. No, no, no. no. That. Uh, throw <laughs> big band. What about? I, I'm, I'm always ignorant to you, Ready Rich. You know all the differences between the the levels of country and types of country places. Where can you throw your drumsticks in the country world? I'm sorry, I don't follow that. <laughs> you know, you, you, there's dancing clubs, there's sitting clubs, right? There's places where you sit and listen to music, there's places where you get up and dance. Those are very different genres of music, right? How many bands have you worked with that throw their drumsticks into the audience? You can't throw your drumsticks through the chicken wire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, but the past is over to practice it a lot. <laughs> it's like very adept. <laughs> the rate of success would be very low. You have other stuff to say now, about Donnie Murray? Now you can see the confusion there, right? Yes, I can. I wrote in my review an entire paragraph about the Broadway set designer fetish with the staircase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of been taken up by Vegas. I think if you see a staircase now, you think Vegas. Yeah. 
Vegas has kind of adopted the staircase. Even they even had one for Wayne Brady. When I did Wayne Brady's show, they had a staircase like loaded. They basically were like, you know, this is sitting back here. And like for like a week, he's like, all right, I'll come in from a staircase. <laughs> like it just was, I think they're just lying around here. Vegas is lousy with lit up staircases. Staircases to nowhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah. sums up Vegas. <laughs> it's, a, it's a symbol. Not just, yeah. a, not just to nowhere, but. They're on carts. Yeah. <laughs> Movable staircase to, to anywhere is what it is. Yeah. And they, staircase to anywhere. <laughs> and they each have one. Yeah. Donnie has one. Marie has one. Yeah. And you could, you know, you could almost see them climbing up the ladder at the beginning of the show. Yeah. 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 As they're rolling it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they come out to It Takes Two and it's, you know, whatever. It's just, it, it's so funny because it is at first it was like everything I, I wanted them to deliver. And then they kept doing other stuff. That I was like, what is happening? And my one of the happiest moments of my life yeah. was seeing Donnie introduce Piff the Magic Dragon and Piff standing up and waving. Yeah. Because <laughs> Donnie sincerely loves Piff. Yeah. He was and saw the show. Went saw the show, loved, loves Piff. Gave him a great introduction. And there was Piff kind of perplexed. Standing up, <laughs> then he introduced me and very nice. And they made the obvious joke that I had the partner that didn't speak, and they both wish they had that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, them. but also like they did that right on target. They also did that <laughs> thing, which is like again, when you go see a classic Vegas show, like anyone in the audience, if they're seeing their first Vegas show and they're seeing Down and Marie for the first time, they're seeing the fans. For them to stop and be like, hey, you know who's in the audience and make people stand up and wave, like that's what you want sure. from a quintessential Vegas music show. You know what I mean? And so like that, I thought that was even such like a great, like, this is what boss headliners do. And they did that moment. Now I'm going to tell a story that is about how classy Marie Osmond is. <laughs> and it also is one of these stories yeah. we like to tell called crazy pen stories. Yeah, this is definitely, yeah. Yeah, this is this just is, this how. Is, this is not a story at the expense of Marie. This is a story that tells you how hard is it for Donnie and Marie to remain friends with Penn Gillette yes. for 20 years. How hard is it? 25 years. Yeah. How hard is it? What what what, <laughs> what kind of nutcase is he? And I would like you to like listen. In, in, in the movie version, you know, where it's always like in, in the in this almost sitcom version of Penn Gillette, mm -hmm. it was like this relationship you have with this other Mormon duo is going too well. Mm -hmm. How can I make sure to put my pen stamp on? And I want you to listen to this story, <laughs> not from Penn's Sunday School point of view. No. But listen to this from Donnie and Marie's point of view. Yeah. Think about them telling this story. Because this story <laughs> is not about Donnie and Marie. Yeah. This story is about how uh, how I try to be like everyone else. <laughs> I try to make normal conversation. Yeah. And once in a while, I say something that... Uh, I know afterwards was not right to say, right? But at the time, seemed like there was nothing just else to could, say. Couldn't do it. So, uh, so, uh, so quickly, says straight up Vegas style. During the finale, ushers came to us and quickly ushered us out of there. We didn't get to even see the end of the show. Right. The, the end, end of the, the show, show also has me in it because <laughs> they have clips of everybody that's been on their show. Yeah. And I show up, but I didn't get to see it because yeah. I was being ushered out. So we're offered to the side of the stage, and the uh, there's a VIP meet and greet. We're not part of that. We are brought directly stage We are right. not part of the VIP meet and greet. No. We are part of the go on stage with yeah. them. They were coming off stage. They were not had not even gone to their dressing rooms. No. We were standing in the wings when they came off. Yeah. And we were posing for pictures, and we were chatting, and Donnie and I were talking about how we share a heart doctor. Yeah. And uh, uh, Marie he was talking about last time we got together and you're going to be on the talk and mm -hmm. congratulations. 
and pose over here. We have a camera here. And, oh, Donnie always posed before me. I want to get this one up before him. And you've really been playing that long in Vegas. How is that going? Are you still going strong? And the conversation splinters a little bit. There's like little pockets of conversation. You're going to go? Here. You have Thursday, Friday off. That's weird. We have Sunday, Monday. How do you yeah. do on Sunday, Monday? We do so. We sell fine, you know, because it doesn't really make a difference if it's not Saturday. So you can kind of pick your two days off. Well, that's And you're commuting back and forth. Oh, that's good. Now your children do it. Well, that's happening. Marie is uh, mostly talking to uh, uh, Tony and Czar at this point mm-hmm. and Jade. And Czar is our, is our friend. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Tony is Czar's boyfriend or husband. I don't know which. And uh, uh, they're a real estate agent and they're good friends, mostly my wife, but I also love them. And, and she's that, talking to them. And she's talking to them and saying things that to anyone but Penn Sunday School listeners, maybe. Probably like a nice, uh, maybe like go to, maybe possibly would be vulnerable moment of just expressing herself. I think this is beauty. This is considered to be um, perfectly mainstream conversation yeah. for anyone who does not listen to this show. Uh, Marie is talking about the significance of butterflies. Oh yeah, well, it goes on. It starts yeah. like this. Yeah, the symbol. She starts talking about a friend of hers. <laughs> yeah. Who, um, person she met. She's talking about profound life changes, mm-hmm. life and death. Yeah. And she's had a few profound changes. Yes. She's had a, a difficult But we, we're not in that. All right. We've gone off from that. All right. <laughs> but that's been mentioned. Okay. It's, it's, and then it's, it's led a... into this. And she talks about this woman that she knows. Yes, her friend. Who had had an uh, airplane uh, yeah. crash and was burned over 70% of her body. And then Marie explains that she went to the other side, not of the airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not of the hospital ward. No. But the other side of the veil. And then Marie says this rather odd thing where she says that the the uh, uh, texture, the 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 material, the material between our world and the next world is like vinyl and and you can poke your finger through it. (laughs) At this point, as she's talking about cheap cheap vinyl. (laughs) The splintering conversation is starting to regather around this. Marie is telling a very personal moment. And in that moment, I actually try to stand in between Marie and Penn as she starts to describe this. Because I was like, I don't know if this is where Penn wants to rejoin this conversation. (laughs) And I do rejoin the conversation right about the time that we're talking about life after life. Yeah. She's crossed over, this friend of Marie's. And she's seen heaven. And she's come back and told us the information about the other side. And it's like poking through vinyl. And then um, she uh, perhaps detects a small amount of skepticism or what's built (laughs) into the story, I believe, more. She's told the story before. It's an important story to her. What's built in is a we're going to give you more proof of the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because just poking through vinyl when you're dying. (laughs) Yeah. Not quite enough. 70 percent of your body burned. Not quite enough. No. So she's walking in the woods. With this woman who's very wise and has been to the other side, has poked her finger through vinyl <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> Reddy Rich has gotten a vinyl record and is poking us all through. Yeah, see? Reddy Rich is still of this earth as he is unable to penetrate the vinyl. Ah, <laughs> uh, and everybody's listening. I'm listening, and that's the bad part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the conversation I, is now you fully standing centered. between him and Marie. Good idea. I yeah. tried for, but the conversation is the, fully centered now on Marie. Right. And but it's fully centered on Marie, with perhaps some people in the room aware that I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, with like knowing that my move was unsuccessful. Jaws music is playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and Piff is very aware. 
<laughs> that I am, as they would say, right? yeah. in the 1980s, in the hizzy. Yeah. <laughs> I am in the house. And as Piff realized that if you could put a, a, a gif on the conversation, he'd be eating popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Piff is now excited <laughs> yeah. to see that you have... Piff is ready. Sure. <laughs> my... Piff knows that the closer you come to death, the better the story. <laughs> my, my wife is tense. Yeah. Matt is maneuvering between us. Mm -hmm. Piff is salivating. <laughs> Donnie, I think also, in fairness... Donnie might be digging it. <laughs> I mean, we could never, in a court of law, no, it's no. full deniability. Yeah, there's nothing he would say. He is. But if we all had to just take a guess, it's his sister. Yeah, it's his I sister. think Donnie's happy. The this is happening. To the mat. What's that? He's going down to the mat to defend her in court. In, in court. court. <laughs> yeah. No. In his mind, at this second, maybe not. Yeah. And she says that as she's walking with her friend, who had been up to the other side in the woods. Butterflies began to gather around her. Now, I do not make a joke mm -mm. at all. No. I give simply a fact, a fact that's substantiated. After Marie uh, says that butterflies' wings represent the wings of angels. Mm -hmm. Butterflies represent the wings of angels, and the butterflies are gathering around her friend who went to yeah. the other side. Now, what I'm going to say next is just a fact, and by the way, a fact that I believe no one else backstage knew, but that you can check on the internet, and it might not be true, but there are entomologists that say it is. I say, no, butterflies are attracted to the smell of urine. <laughs> Simple fact. Mm -hmm. Just, just, Just leaned in and let her know, hey. You know, butterflies are attracted to the scent of urine. <laughs> butterflies are attracted to the scent of urine. Now, I'm kind because I don't say and rotting flesh. <laughs> I could have said that, which is also true. That's right. She's but also I'm, probably covered in some sort of cream. Yeah. She's had these burns. <laughs> It brought this conversation to a screeching halt. <laughs> but Marie does not look at me. No. Like I am a piece of dog shit. No. She does not look uncomfortable. She does not bring the awkwardness out. She does not do anything but like uh, uh, like Gandhi, like Martin Luther King. Yeah. She just, with class, with dignity, with grace, <laughs> bids us all yes. tonight. <laughs> bids us all adieu. <laughs> yeah. Just suddenly wraps it up. Yeah. I just remembered I got a VIP I got to yeah, go to. I got, which is true. Yes. She's, first of all, what I say about butterflies, absolutely true. Yeah. Her VIP meeting, absolutely true. Absolutely true. This is just the battle of actual factual things. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was, for me, I, f I felt, this is just feelings now, we're getting away from facts. I felt like I had witnessed the last interaction of you and Maria Osmond. <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> no, there have been others. See, no, no. You, I don't know if you've heard some of the others, but no, there have no, been no, others. No, not even close. Not like this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This will not hurt my relation with Marie one bit. I will bet you anything on that. Okay. Marie is so used to me. <laughs> She's known me longer than you have. That's true. She has heard more appalling things from me than you have. Yeah. And Marie has so much grace and dignity and assurance of who she is yeah. that this is at maximum a mosquito. Which, by the way, are not attracted to you. Yeah, no. This and also, it should be said, like, for, for all of the Mormonism, for all the whatever that we're talking about, she is a pretty, pretty brassy 
and sassy oh, yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and she's also going to be on, on she, the talk. Yeah, she's she a ton of jokes for being, for being outlandish. And she was funny to deal with when we were working with her yeah. at Fool Us and everything else. So it's so, not... It's she, not the last interaction. She certainly wasn't taken aback. She didn't clutch pearls. I will guarantee you. But she certainly felt like there was a shot up across the bow. You, well, yes. But <laughs> when I'm saying that Piff anticipated what I was going to say, yeah. and that Donnie might have, and that Matt might have, Marie knew. Yeah. She knows. I mean, you could say <laughs> in the writer's room yeah. that that character was well aware of what they were saying in front of home. Yes. She was not an automatic pilot. No, no, no. You're right. Uh, I mean, I have said to her, um, uh, so it's no longer called Mormons, right? Isn't it called the Church of the Latter-day Idiots? I've said <laughs> stuff like that to her. I've said, you know, do you think, is the incest thing part of your religion? I've said that. <laughs> I've said the billboard, I've said this to, to Marie, the billboard on um, Sunset. In Hollywood, uh, where your brother is behind you fucking you in the ass. Is that a body double? <laughs> I said that to her. So what I'm saying is... You. It's right. not even close. You're right. <laughs> not even close. You're right. So, Marie, every one of those was followed the next time I saw her by a big hug and a sincere joy in seeing me. I'm saying that Marie is one of the greatest people alive. <laughs> And I'm saying, watch this from Marie's point of view. Do you realize after I talked about this and my friend yeah. and the burns and going to the other side and the butterflies gathering around, do you know what he said? Yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine. He said, well, that's bullshit. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't say that's bullshit. No, no. He didn't say that's <laughs> bullshit. Did he say, uh, he said, there's no God. There's no God. Fuck you. <laughs> no, there was, there was no obscenity said. Uh, wh what did he say, Marie? He gave me a fact. What was the fact? That um, butterflies are attracted to the scent of urine. He said that? I looked it up. It's a fact. <laughs> That's what Marie would say. Yeah. But I, I you know, I, I, I wrote an email. Jungle that, diabetes test, in fact. What's that? It's a jungle diabetes test. Yes, P and let's see if butterflies or ants come. Well, that's also, it's only with ants. Butterflies are attracted to the actual the urine actual of non, right. non well, Ants are sugar. Yeah. Right. It's not sugar. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah. And they, and, uh, you know, we try to think that butterflies are just going up and kissing flowers. That's not, they'll tell you if you want a lot of butterflies to stop by your garden, to go out and pee in your garden, and the and the butterflies you'll have more butterflies around. Well, now we'll probably have people they? writing it. You probably have people writing it for all I care. I think it was I think it was Eloise. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we'll have people writing in. Yeah. We have entomologists that listen, and they'll yeah. they'll yes. fill me in on this. And they're fantastic but, uh, people. I uh, I wrote to I wrote to uh, to Donnie to thank him for the tickets and thank him for his kindness afterwards and uh, said, we want to get together and hang out. We're going to, uh, we'll have, we'll have coffee or something together and hang out. Cause I so like him. I want to ask him to do the podcast. Yeah. Cause I want to have this conversation with Donnie sitting here. Definitely. Cause I think it'd be, it'd be wonderful. <laughs> Cause you know, this is part of my, the new way I see the world, which is everybody knows everything. Yeah. That's the important thing to remember. Everybody knows everything. When people are playing their roles and stuff, they know everything. Marie knows who I am, how the world perceives me, how I perceive myself. If you told Marie, we're going to write a scene with Penn in it, she could write a whole, she could write the whole monologue right. for bullshit. She yeah. could do that. She knows. She knows. Just like I know. 
You know, I am not a Mormon, but I know what where Marie lives on that, you know? Yeah. I know that. You know, we we also know in humanity, we know that we all have our we all have our struggles, you know, and we play around. Yeah. And I believe that that is um I flatter myself perhaps, but I think that's a fine story from her. I don't mean she's running around telling that story, but right. when, she think, when she thinks back on it, she kind of goes, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if, in other words, if I died yeah, and Marie was asked to say something at my funeral, yeah, all those stories, she would tell them with complete understanding. Yeah. Let me okay. tell you a little bit about the relationship we had. Yeah. Now he's finding out about that veil. <laughs> ah, now right. he's finding out about the side of the vinyl. I'm not sure that the vinyl he's poking through is going to heaven. <laughs> it's but warm. I'll tell you, <laughs> but I'll tell you, when I talked to him about this, let me tell you what he said. She could tell that. Yeah. Perfectly. You're right. You're it right. wouldn't be done hatefully. No. You know what I mean? And was, she, was it awkward? Sure. Was yeah. she aware it was awkward? Sure. Did she make it as unawkward as possible? Sure. She gets credit for all of that. Yeah. You know, she is the adult in this particular situation. I'm fully aware of that, and so is she. It's great. Yeah. So we had this other thing that came down that I actually handled right like a grown-up. We're working with the wrong boys. And I should point this out. In Manchester, August 8th, 8th, 9th, 10th, around there in Manchester, there will be the debut of Magic Goes Wrong. The show that we wrote with the guys who wrote the play that goes wrong. Just saw it, yeah. Uh, Fabulous, isn't it? Great show, yeah. Just fabulous. Uh, John, Henry, and Henry. Uh, And uh, they are fabulous. Uh, Working with them on this show Mm. was unbelievable. I believe they're all about 30 now. And I believe it is working with Monty Python Mm -hmm. at their absolute prime. I sat in the room. Where uh, John and Henry, one of the Henrys, Lewis, it's Lewis and Shields, um, where John and Henry had an idea for a premise and said, let's run with this. Mm. And I sat six feet from two people doing improv that was the finest, finest work I've ever seen. It was in a room for four people. And they were just riffing in a way that you just couldn't take notes fast enough. Yeah. yeah. It was like that 10 minutes you just did, we're putting that on the stage. Exactly. They do not miss a gag. Oh, they do not miss a gag. Right. And they are dead on and they are smart and they are kind and they are everywhere. They're fabulous. Right. So. We're writing the show with them. When I say we're writing the show with them, uh, it's amazing to work with them. Because, you know, when you make, uh, this is a really arranged marriage. Okay, they have five shows, plus they're doing a BBC show. We're working all the time. So we say we'd like to get together and write a show. We haven't got time to fall into that. Right. We didn't even get together and have coffee. It was all agents making this deal. By the time we're together, we are together. You know, we've decided to be married for 10 years and we have only met for two minutes. Yeah. That's what we're doing with the show. It's very dangerous. So the first time we walk into the room, we've got a week to write a show. You know, J.J. Abrams, you know, it's heavy duty stuff. Walk into a room to do this. We don't know what we're getting into. They could be three crazy, incompetent, unpleasant people who got lucky. They could also be geniuses who are awful to be around. We don't know anything, you know, Uh, and there's no way to do references. 
You can't say, oh, you wrote a show with the wrong boys. What do you think? They can't either. You know, you've written a show with Penn and Taylor. Who could they talk to? They could talk to you two. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know what I mean? They're going to just continue to deny this. <laughs> <laughs> they could hypothetically. Have no, they could have. They might have talked to us <laughs> or someone like us. <laughs> uh, so we walk into the room and they are just a dream to work with. Just the greatest people we've ever worked with. And we love them. And Johnny comes in because we're writing about how magic mm -hmm. can go wrong. And Johnny gives us this idea, really nice idea that he gave to Fielding West. Yeah. It's all Johnny's idea. He gave it to Fielding West. It's a gag on what's called an Azra, where, yes. where, where a person floats in the air. It's a gag that Johnny thought up, and he gave it to uh, Fielding. And uh, Johnny just brings it up. And the wrong boys go, as you can imagine, that's perfect for our perfect. taste. It's perfect. It's perfect for being this show. It's just fabulous. It's wonderful. And uh, Johnny goes, well, put it in the show. And uh, he says, you just have to, Fielding has the prop, and I gave it to Fielding. You have to make a deal with Fielding. You know, you have to talk to him. Sure. So we call up Fielding, and Fielding says, uh, well, I own this, and I'll sell it to you. And then there is six months of negotiation for how much Fielding should get for uh, Johnny was paid to work with us for an idea that Johnny had that he gave to Fielding. Right. Very tricky situation, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Also, Fielding owns it. You know? Fielding owns it because it was given to him by Johnny, and Johnny's working with us, and Fielding has the prop. And Fielding is also, which is also important to the variety artists, has not done the bit for 20 years, 15 years. Right. Uh, it's been a while. Prop's pretty beat up. And uh, he brings the prop in, and the prop is a little bit kludgy, you know, right, yeah. as you'd imagine. It's cobbled together. And uh, he's still negotiating, and he's still helping us. And it's, we got the script. Now it's the final script, the absolute final script. And uh, we get the script, and there it is in there, and uh, uh, all set to go. And the wrong boys have said to us, oh, by the way, this is the final revision on the trick, on the, on the script. We can't change it. We're working a BBC special right up until we start rehearsals on this. This is the script that's going in. So they send us the script with this very odd thing, which says, hey, take a look at this script. Don't give us any notes. <laughs> We're not going to do anything with it. We got it. We're done. Right. Yeah. You know, now, when they go into rehearsals, they'll be changing it every second. Yeah, but of course. This is what we're starting with. They send it off to JJ and everybody. We get the, 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 the. And then that very afternoon, we get a call from Fielding. And Fielding has gotten a letter from Lance, Lance Burton. Now, Lance Burton has been our, uh, your friend uh, yes, forever. forever, been my friend forever. Lance is a wonderful guy. We love him. We adore him. He's terrific. He's written a very strongly worded, like maybe written by a lawyer, cease and desist to Fielding that says, yes, that's Johnny's idea, and yes, you had it, and yes, you performed it, and yes, it's totally yours. But the mechanism that makes the trick work, uh, I developed with Johnny for my show, for something else. And as you know, Penn & Teller exposed stuff, Penn & Teller did da 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 and some very um, mean stuff about us in there to Fielding. And Fielding is apoplectic. He's now, it's a long letter, like a three-page right. letter from uh, Lance with legalese in there, you know, and real, um, real animosity in there, you know, that says, don't, don't give them this. They can't have this. And um, 
because I invented this way of doing it. And Fielding is very upset. Fielding is very upset. Sure. Because Fielding is good friends with us. Yeah. He's given this. He's also getting a lot of attention. Best friends with Lance. Also, also Johnny has died. Right. So Johnny was making all this happen. Now, all, obviously, all of this would have been taken care of by Johnny with one phone call. Right. right. He wouldn't have even needed two. One phone call and it's over. Lance owes his whole career to Johnny. I think Lance would say that. Johnny, Johnny did the Dove Act with him. Johnny did everything. Johnny held him by the hand from the time he was 17 and took him right up and worked with him. Everything. Great. Yeah. And Lance is retired. He's not going to do anything anymore. And Lance has now said, don't use this. And then Fielding throws it into our lap. And then we have got a contract with the wrong boys that we can make this deal. And it's going to be Fielding getting a lot of money. It's a lot of money that yeah. Fielding would get from this. A lot of money. And uh, we get this letter from Lance. And Teller, of course, instantly pulls out the book that shows that the exact method was right. 1919, you know, already yeah. published as really. As Johnny would have said as Johnny that as well. Would have. And um, Teller says to me, you know, well, just show this to Lance. I go, no, we're not going to show it to Lance because Lance isn't talking about the trick. He's talking about he doesn't want Fielding to give us the trick. I mean, whatever the reason is. Right. And I tell her, so, well, he can't sue us. And I go, he's, I don't care. We love Lance. He's a great friend of ours. You know, if you called me up and said, I don't want you doing this, Matt, I, yeah. would, I would not do it. Right. So we, um, so tell and I go, you know, what are we going to do? It's a very complicated situation, very. right? Very, because also you're dealing with one legal stuff and then two magic etiquette stuff, which is different than legal stuff and and friendship and, and Broadway friendship. contract stuff. Yeah, we gave them that trick. It's ten minutes of a J.J. Abrams show. Yeah, I mean, there's talk to Glenn. There's a hundred page contract. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like you have that stuff. And then like, I, I mean, when you're not in the world of magic, when you hear what magic magicians fight about, it is, sounds crazy to other people. Well, I say to Teller, we're not going to fight. And yeah. Teller says, what are we going to do? I said, we're not going to send them. And Teller goes, it's so weaselly to send them photocopies of the pages in the right. magic book that show. Yeah. You know, and Steinmeier goes, no, that wasn't developed by, no. Right. You know, but. Maybe it was. Maybe there's some detail in it. We'll see where the story goes. It doesn't matter. So I say, which I've really very, very rarely done, I say, I'm going to go upstairs. I tell, tell her this. I'm going to put on my headphones. I'm going to listen to rain, not Dylan, but just the sound mm -hmm. of jungle rain. And I'm going to lay in bed for an hour and a half, see if I can get an idea. And I have all... The tools have to go into place. It has to work with the exact stage they have. It has to work with the characters they have that's been built around this. Right. It has to work in the scene. It has to work in the plot. And it can't be any of this trick. Not a moment of this trick. Because we don't want Lance to be upset. So I get an epiphany. Right. I sit there on my phone and I frantically text it. I email it to Teller. Don't text Teller because he thinks it's an emergency. You don't text Teller unless you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so I email, I email to Teller. text me. Yeah, that's Teller. Um, so I email it to him. And Teller writes back, which is always a good sign. Let me make, <laughs> let me make sure I understand this. Ah. And he details mm -hmm. the whole trick better written than I did by a lot. And then I write back, no, no, that, there's two things that are, aren't what I meant there. I write back, tell her, writes back and goes, oh, that's even better. 
Oh, good. He goes, but by the way, in order for this trick to work, you have two solids moving through each other in the same plane that won't work. Uh, the tr trick's impossible. And I go, yeah, I wasn't sure about that exact instant. He goes, yeah, it's impossible. He goes, I'm taking a swim. <laughs> so, so you both water related yeah. cures. <laughs> so Teller, Teller takes a 20 minute swim and I get an email from him at 22 minutes and says, 10 minutes into the swim, I worked it out this way. And he sends me sketches. I go, oh, that becomes, he goes, yeah, 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 that's a, be that's a, that's a better trick than, uh, than you were even thinking about because now it's, it is completely Doable. deceptive. <laughs> and we can build it, it call for and we can build miracle. it on the same budget and we can have it, we can have it all done. And uh, uh, he says, we can have it all done. Perfect. And I go, well, we'll send it off. And I write it up. And the only person that answers because of the time difference, because it yeah. just happened this morning, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late, late yesterday. The only person that can answer is JJ because he's in L.A. Everybody else is in London. Um, so he's on the time schedule. So he, he goes, uh, I love this. This is better. This is much better. So it's a better hunk in there. And it's what we should have done to begin with, which was writing the actual hunk yeah. in our style with our methods. You know, the stuff, the way Lance fools people is not the way Penn and Teller fool people. He likes different, he likes more um, yeah. uh, boxy stuff. Yeah. We got rid of all that. We got rid of the prop that was built out of plywood that Johnny and Fielding built, right, in you the know, garage. 25 years ago in a garage. We have a nice prop. Da, 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 da. And then we write to Fielding and say, listen, we, and then we decide, you know, we don't need to send any of this stuff to Lance that says it comes before that. We just say it's his. Right. And we write. Okay. We, yeah. yeah, sure. We don't want to, you know, we love you, Lance. We, we are good friends with you. We, we adore you. We've always liked you. Never had a bad word with you. Never said a thing against you. We're certainly not going to have bad blood over this. So the whole hunk goes away. Now, obviously fielding. Fielding is out some money. Not out any money. He 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 doesn't. He didn't pay anything. You no, know. but he, he, he was, doesn't get paid. It was a payday. The the uh, the chickens that he may have counted before they were hatched <laughs> and sure looked like they were going to be hatched. He's not going to get. And it's a it's a lot of money, right? Uh, but he, that he won't get. And he's got his bit, and the prop comes back, and it's all his, and he can perform anywhere he wants, and no one has to talk to him about it. The wrong boys don't have to make a deal. Right. There's no side contract. Johnny does not have to come back from the dead to clean this up, you know. And if uh, if you came to me and said you were writing a hunk for a Broadway, oh, you know, the, the the idea that I gave you for the weight thing, yeah. If you said I'm going to put this in a Broadway show and I may be making you know cachillions of money, yeah, uh, I would not write you a note that said, you know, kind of my idea. Don't do that, right? I would say, hey, take me out to dinner. I just got sick to my stomach right now when you said that, just in the <laughs> yeah, hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you buy a guy a muffin? That's what I might say. Yeah. Five yeah. me a vegan muffin, we'll talk. I, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing about, I don't, I don't know if it's like, because being on the, now on the um, fringes of magic for the last couple of years, um, looking in at stuff, and then being on the total outskirts of it for however many years I've been working with you, like, it, it do you just kind of, like, uh, is part of your head mentally prepped to like go to battle with other magicians? It just seems like it happens a lot. It just seems. Uh, and so like our way of doing it, by the way, you can know this. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is, you know, this is our Achilles heel. Uh, you write to Penn and Teller and say, you know, da, 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 this is mine. We just won't do it. 
It just goes away. Yeah. You know, we don't we there's no case of Penn and Teller arguing. You haven't got one case of no. You know, if you come to me and say, you know, we had a thing that we were putting in to fool us, it was really a beautiful moment. And some guy got in touch with us and said, you know, that's kind of mine. And we went, Oh, sorry. It was yeah. pulled right out. Right, right. Uh it's all my mother's advice. My mother would say, Yeah, you know, if you're a writer, write something. Just do something else. Yeah. yeah this is your solution. You know, there's nothing that's that's that perfect that it can't be touched or monkeyed with. Yeah. And also, it made me really happy because we owe a huge thank you to Lance. Because Johnny taught Lance, me, and Teller that the major mistake magicians make is they stop thinking yeah. too soon. They stop thinking. And Johnny pitched that for the wrong boys, and we all loved it, and we all said, boom, boom, put it in there. And what we didn't do was spend the time and the thought to say, what should this five minutes in the show really be, or this 10 minutes? Right. What should it really be? Yeah. Because it was like, we got this hole, we can just fill it with a plug. Right. We didn't spend the time to go, what would make that hole perfect? Right. You know. Well, it's something we always talk about with when you get notes from the, uh, like the network. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I hate them. They're wrong. They're stupid. Those guys are idiots. Oh, wait, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we spend another 10 minutes, it does get it better. It does get better. It just gets better. And, you know, it, what Johnny would always say was, you know, have yeah, sure. four ways to do everything and then pick one of them. And it's true that in the wrong, in, in the in the magic goes wrong, for every bit that's in that show, there's three bits that we worked on that didn't make it. Yeah. They were trying to fill that spot and weren't it. Things you pitched in the room, things in some cases, one whole scene that I was in love with, which we called, of course, it wouldn't be this in the show, we called Penn's Dream. Right. And we loved it. I mean, loved it, adored it. And I pitched it the room and everybody loved it. JJ loved mm -hmm. it, everybody. And then uh, they put it up on its feet and did it during their improv show. And they did it there and they did not like the way it played. Okay. And they played me the video. Yeah. And I said to them, which is really important, I said, you did it perfectly. You know, right. I expect to see the video and go, no, you should have done this. Your commitment wasn't done, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. The energy, yeah. the selling. Or yeah. the the writing we had, here's how we're going to fix it. Here's how we're going to tweak it. I said, boy, you, you did it perfect. And you didn't like it? And they said, nope. I said, okay, it's gone. Yeah. And they said, you want to take another run at it? I said, nope, it's gone. And we put something else in there, and the something else you put in there is better. And every other part of the show had that. But we hadn't been slapped down on this because Johnny's pitch of it was so good and Fielding's uh, performance of it was so good. We right. just thought, boom, done, freebie, gone. Even the sawing in half, the, 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 the sawing in half with all the blood that Teller and I have done for years, right? that's in this show. And the wrong boys are doing it. But the wrong boys did not just pull in the Penn and Teller performance. They did a whole page one rewrite, worked it all out, made it a whole different trick. We just hadn't done the work. So Lance came along and said to us, you know, be like Johnny, do the work. Yeah. You know, do the work, go do it the extra way. So we solved that whole thing. So that made me feel great. I was sure, just, out. I was just walking on air, you know, except for, except for fielding, not, not making the, uh, the jingle, yeah. you know, because we're not using anything. It's a whole, it's a whole different bit. That's a shame. 
But we love fielding, and we love Lance, and we never had a problem. No, and, uh, you know, these kind of casualties happen all the time in every project that everybody works on, anything that's a large project. So this one is the one that happens to be airing out loud on this podcast. Anyone in showbiz right now is thinking about, like, six other stories. Yeah, yeah. they're all the same. Yeah. Uh, and it's, but, that's the way it goes down. But the point is, I think... That what I've learned at 64 years old is when you hit that little bit of a wall, do not push through it. Just turn and go another yeah, way. Yeah. That vinyl is tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And every time we did it on bullshit, it worked out yeah, that way. Every too. time we were like, every ah, time they yeah, said we're angry and upset. You can't you can't do this sketch. Every time Showtime said you can't do this, the thing we came up with after was better. Yeah, I actually as in a small on my, on my modest level, relate as a writer completely, where at first I used to always want to know why something got killed or something, someone didn't like this joke or something didn't like whatever. And now I realize like, no, it's all I needed. Mm -hmm. And if you want more, here's more. It's what Arthur Penn, yeah. Arthur Penn said about directing. Mm -hmm. Arthur Penn said, most of the time, what you want to say is do it better. Yeah. And that's Nothing why like, <laughs> that's why people over, overly explain the no. I'm already like, oh, stop. I've already, like, now I'm the opposite. Yeah, no it's problem. Like, I've already it. moved on. Got it. I've already, you, yeah. You, a bit's dead. You don't like the joke? I also don't like it anymore. I also hate that joke. I'm not fighting for it. I hate it. Hate it. Here's six more. And that was the thing. I mean, the wrong boys were amazing. Yeah. They took a bit that they had a little bit of trepidation with. Yeah. They put it up, committed to it, did it full out. They did Penn's Dreaming. I mean, this is eight mm -hmm. minutes. They put it up, big props, everything. And they went and sold it and sold it. And I couldn't find one mistake with a word or a performance or anything. And they just went, well, I don't like it. Yeah. Boom. Done. And what's in there now is a thousand times better. Good for that. Just much better. Yes. Uh, because that's, that's the way you write stuff. Definitely. And so, you know, we had to be, we had to be slapped down on this and reminded that you got to do the work. And almost anything good, what you hear about when it's over is like, oh, you know, we had this and it's not on the show. We had this and it's not in almost every great work that people really enjoy, have a ton well, of stuff that doesn't make it in. And you look at the deleted scenes of any movie on the specials, yeah. and you're so excited about it, <laughs> and you look yeah. at it and go, oh, a scene where a scene where the two characters actually talk about, wow, this is going to be great. And you're always excited, and you always <laughs> see it, and always go, oh, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah, no one ever watches deleted scenes <laughs> like, what a crime! <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't these scenes in the work? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're, it's funny. I never thought about that before. You always watch the lead scene because, oh, yeah, I'm glad I saw that. And, yeah, it yeah. should be deleted. Boy, and, boy, if that were in the script, I would never have cut that. Yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. cut that in a million years. But then you've seen the movie finish before you see that, and you go, oh, I could cut that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could cut that. Yeah. That would never fit in. What were they but, you know, you've got to. You've got to. Kill your darlings. Yes. You've got to kill your darlings. It's the most important thing. Signs of the Lambs. I learned about this recently. That's why I'm excited about it. But Signs of the Lambs, which I've, we yeah. all love. Great movie. There was a scene with actual lambs. <laughs> no, this is where, was this, there was a scene of like turning your badge. You're out of here. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. There's like a typical like cop oh, okay. thing, like yeah. turning your badge. And, and, uh, and the the ending wasn't playing was playing oddly and stuff like that and there's this old kind of resolution between the the um her Jodie Foster's authority figure yeah. thing and they just, and someone watching it just said like hey uh, I think it was Bill Goldman famously which just was like oh sure take out that scene with the firing we don't need it and like we already shot it it's all in the can like if we take that out is the movie gonna make sense and they took it out and they played it and it 
and you don't need to know that information and that information doesn't play into the rest of the movie at all. And suddenly the movie's just ended faster and gets right to the point. And, and it was like this crazy thing that, that like fixed the movie. It was a huge plot point, yeah. but yeah, you take those things out. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to do, you know? Yeah. But when I was, uh, when I was ripped off, you know, uh, by the juggling right. show, my yeah. mom just said, write more stuff. And I was like, this is this. I worked but on this mom. my whole life. <laughs> my mom said, you're 22. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write more stuff. Your mom, the solution. A very wise woman. The solution is always. I just that all the time. Just do the work. We're just gonna do what Penn's mom said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basically you you kind of either works it either works out or it doesn't, and that's really kind of the best way to look at it. And people, you're either included or something you're not included. And there's a lot of reasons that you don't have control over. Yeah. And so, yes, you can go back to some of the letter of, of something or think about like I've had, I've had a couple of things where it land on my lap where people are like maybe you can sue. And I'm not sitting here now with a totally different, like I'm not living in the lap of luxury right now, but I, I have somewhat a career now. And it, it, I don't ever look back and be like, oh, if I only had sued. Yeah. Well, you know, that was the thing you know. when I went to, uh, when I went to uh, Martin Guitars. Yeah. And that lawyer that showed us around. Yeah. He said uh, when he came on as a lawyer at Martin, when he did his, his interview, like, yeah. the, 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 the son or whatever, he said actually yeah. Martin, probably grandson or something, yeah. uh, said to him, uh, you're going to be our lawyer, uh, full-time counsel. You'll work for us. Just so you know, we don't ever sue people. We don't get sued. <laughs> we don't have anything to do with the legal system. That's your job. Yeah. Write up contracts. We just we don't do anything. We don't do any of that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that that seems like it's worked out okay for Martin. I think so. Yeah. And uh I think it's I, I think it's people like Uri Geller that are litigious and sue everybody all the time. Yeah. And I think that tells you an awful lot about if that's how you want to spend your time. That's exactly I would it. rather there spend are... my time writing than defending myself. The people I know that have dealt with a lot of lawsuits seem to have a lifestyle mm -hmm. that seems to allow and engage in that. Like they not I mean almost enjoy it. Yeah. Like they just they like but they like fight. Which would I rather do? Spend four hours arguing with Lance or spend four hours writing material for the wrong boys? Yeah, you know what I mean. I, yeah, it's just, no, I would rather put my headphones well, even, on. Yeah, listening thinking, to rain, listening yeah. to your headphones. Much rather do that. And I, then I the joy. Bugs. <laughs> when you have the joy, you never get joy of winning an argument. No, but you get joy of creativity. It's a it's a big right. difference. It's a really yeah. beautiful thing. It's a really important thing. I don't think there's any room at all for. Uh, I just don't like it. You know. See, that thing is that saying something crazy. To Marie Osmond that we both understand. Yeah. That kind of uh, tension and fun and playing yeah. out characters is great. But uh, an argument with a friend over whether you're going to do something or not, there's no joy in that. Right. It's just a very different, different thing. Yeah. So next week when this is playing, and it's Sherrod next week, we're going to have Sherrod on. Oh, okay. great. That's a good yeah. show. That's, That's a, really a great show. show. Yeah, yeah. He's going to come on again, too. We oh, nice. just love Sherrod. Next week, we got Sherrod, and he's fabulous. But meanwhile, I will be in Newfoundland, probably, yeah. probably uh, scattering my grandmother-in-law's. <laughs> is that the word you use? Yes. Yeah. Grandmother-in-law's uh, ashes over Twillingate. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, for me, Santa Cruz. I'll be in Santa Cruz at the Beach and Boardwalk, July, June 19th 
20th and 22nd. You got anything coming and up? And then for other dates after that. I should be working with Lovick. I'm going to LA and working with Lovick. Oh, good, good, good. That, that was my Father's Day present. To... Sunday off is a big deal. We're all... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going out to LA to, to learn learn a couple of things. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to learn the ring gag. Yeah, I really oh, want that gag, good. Pat. Be good. Well, Handsome Jack's a great director. Yes. And a great writer. You I'm, uh, yeah. He is all, he, you know, work with the people who have strengths where you have weaknesses. Yeah. Handsome Jack has a lot of that with what I need. And so I, I can't wait to work with him. You'll do, you'll do really great. Yeah. And uh, then we'll be back, and I'll have all, all sorts of stories about uh, next. We'll come back from Newfoundland, and then right away I go to do Fallon. Do you know, Jimmy Fallon is doing his show live? That's so cool. Really cool. So I'll be doing the Jimmy Fallon show live on uh, whatever, two weeks from Tuesday or something. Uh, two weeks fun. from Tuesday, so the 18th or the 25th is one of them. Uh, 18th. And I like that because you'll be That's doing about the a week and a half from now. Like when you're in New York doing live television of that type, like it's like a time machine because that's how all television used to happen. That's all yeah. where, where it used to happen. In that studio. Yeah, exactly. 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so and so Jimmy cool. Fallon, you know, from Saturday Night Live, he's used to doing live. Yeah. So it'd be really great. So Teller was saying we have to cut down this bit we're doing from eight minutes to five minutes. And I said, yeah, for rehearsal, but we're actually running. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how you build your reputation in show business. Oh, yeah. A big someone that everybody wants to work with. <laughs> You know, the butterflies, they're attracted to the scent of urine. Yeah. That was Pet Sunday School. That was Pet Sunday School. Flap, flap, flap. You become naked. Yeah, Sherrod, that was a really good show. Yeah, he's, he's, he's funny, uh, funny, funny and insightful. And smart and um, and kind, and I just I yeah. like Sherrod a lot. I also got a promise from Dave Attell and Jeff Ross. They're both gonna, oh, that would be great. We're going to do shows with them. Oh, so man. you just can't get better than them. No. You know we love you. Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against the shock if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.